Good morning, good morning, and welcome to uh, Jericho Road. We're glad to, to see all of you this morning. Uh, we're beginning a new series for March called Awe, Restoring God's Wonder. And we're going to look at, uh, uh, over the next four weeks, just uh, some things about God, just to sit and say, like, God, you are amazing. God, you cause us to just say, wow. When, uh, when our kids are really little, kids, kids tend to say, wow, a lot. Like every five seconds, your kids are saying wow for something, right? So, uh, I mean, literally, if you go up to our little kid later and you stick out your tongue, and they'll, wow, your tongue came out of your mouth. Isn't that, like, amazing? And then it went back in. It's like this, like, it's like a wow moment for your tongue to come out. Or, you know, if you, if you have little kids and you turn on the faucet and the water comes out, they're like, water's here. I can't believe. And then it stops. So it's like, like amazing. And it's like a wow moment for kids. Uh, moving here to this Jericho Road building, if we're outside and one of those planes come over, that's still a little bit of a wow for me. But I was like, the kids are like, oh, what's going on, right? When the plane goes over and like everything is a wow moment. Like when you're a little like arrow, it's wow, 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 wow. But as we get older, the wows decrease. And they change a little bit. When was the last time that you said wow in a genuine kid sense? Not, not wow, my back hurts because I, I slept. <laughs> not wow, I have no idea why I'm in the garage right now or what I meant to get here. Not that kind of wow. When was the last time that we just said like wow over the things that are all around us, over the things of God? Often we get so ordinary focused, right? We're worried about the commute. We're worried about all these kind of things and the bottom line and the things at work and the details and and what we don't have or have in the refrigerator and what we should have bought or what we didn't buy or or how low is the milk or the kids going to be able to have cereal. You know, that's like our... I don't know if there's a lot of wow in that sometimes. And it gets pretty ordinary and feels a bit mundane. And we forget how truly amazing and wonderful this world that we live in is. And we forget how sweet each moment of life is. Like we we forget to live in wonder, in, in awe of all of God's creation. So God would like to share four weeks Uh, of awe with us, to help us just restore that wonder. Four weeks where where we're just going to look at some stuff, and and there's not going to be as many. A lot lot of time we have a lot of take-homes, like do this, do this, just try this, you know. Just going to try to just be four weeks where we sit and just say, God, I I need you to restore like a little bit of awe in my life because I am trapped in a bit of the mundane. I'm just day-to-day now, and I I see things and it doesn't really move the needle internally. And so we're just going to ask God to, to help us restore maybe that wah, uh, that, that wah, that awe a little bit. <laughs> Today we're going to look at God's creation point as an as a awe, both because of its raw beauty and, and its uh, power, but also because of spiritual implications that we see in the creation. So as we begin this, uh, this series on awe, restoring wonder, we're going to start off today by reading through and looking at a powerful passage of Scripture that most of you are going to be incredibly familiar with. And I would ask you that you don't allow your familiarity with the passage to diminish its weight. This is actually going to be about a three-minute read, three- to four-minute read of the Scripture because I'd like this rich chapter of the Bible describing creation to actually speak for itself rather than me just talk and talk and talk. So as we read it, I want you to look for a couple of things and as we listen to it. I, wanna, I want you to look for the power involved to cause such things to happen. 
I want, I want you to look for the brilliance and the logic of the formation process. I want you to notice the beauty and the complexity that those are part of creation. Now, I want, I want you to discover again the well-laid-out plans of God as we look at creation. So we're going to be reading from the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and he called the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and he separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so, and God called the vault sky. There was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered in one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land and he gathered the waters and he called them seas. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation and and seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing, bearing seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit and with seeds in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, and it was the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vaults of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred days and times and years, and let them be lights in the vaults of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser to govern the night. He also made the stars. And God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there's evening and there's morning, the fourth day. And God says, let the water team with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky so god created the creatures of the sea and and every living thing with which the water teems and that that moves around in it according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind and god saw that it was good and god blessed them and he said be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. Then God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kinds. And all the creatures that move on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. 
So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and, and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it, and there's gonna be, they're going to be yours for food. And to all of the beasts of the earth and the birds in the sky and the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made. And it was good. And there was evening. And there was morning. And it was the sixth day. Well, we've heard that before. But we live in this amazing universe. We live on this beautiful planet, vibrant, full of life, growing moment by moment. I was thinking about it, and so, so I picked up a video. I just want you, it's just a really short clip that I want you to see really fast here uh, about things just growing in this life, and it's so amazing, even how like a blade of grass grows. And so if we could just see that really fast, that'd be cool. like a little time lapse of like a like a piece of grass growing and i was thinking like man if i could have a time lapse of one of those days that we just read about wouldn't that be like the coolest can you imagine a time lapse of the time when god was creating all of the the creatures in the in the water <laughs> there's like tons of creatures in the water where all the creatures on the line land and we, we had a time lapse of that just of the day it's like oh here's what happened and and all of a sudden, all the cows and giraffes and bulls and, and like lizards and spiders, the mosquitoes, like all of a sudden, all they all, are mosquitoes winged birds? Are they? I don't know which one, when they were created. But, but can you imagine that all this stuff is like popping up? Like I, wa- I watched some time lapse of like a seed growing and it's like, brrr, and like it's amazing just this tiny one little piece of grass could grow like that. And God was like, here, I'm going to create the universe like this. Boom. Imagine when he said, started speaking the stars into light. Did you see how 100 billion light years? And a light year is like a trillion kilometers. And there's 100 billion of the distance. And there's trillions and trillions of stars in our universe. And God's like, oh, I created that on one day. That was like, yeah, I did that one. Like this. Why? For us to look at. We could have made less. Is that a little bit overkill? We can't even get to them ever, you know. But he's like, well, I thought you might like it. So I made extras. It's like my wife when she cooks, you know, there's always extra food. It's like, babe, that's way too much food. and Always extra. And God's like, oh, I just wanted to make sure you like, liked it and looked out into the stars. Can you imagine that kind of time lapse? That would be like a wow if you could see a time lapse of one of those days. But not only is creation itself amazing, but the reality that it points back to a, a, a being that's powerful enough to speak those things into existence. I mean, God doesn't have to do anything. He's like, hmm, universe. And it's like, let's go with water and plants and animals. How incredible is that? The wow of crea- creation. I, it's just incredible. 
But as incredible as that is, the wow of creation shouts to something even more wower. Creation's pretty cool, but there's something even cooler. Creation proclaims God's glory. The psalmist writes this, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, there's no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. The psalmist is saying creation shouts out God's glory. You want to reclaim or find your awe, your wow again? You want, to, you want to capture that awe? Get yourself into nature. Get yourself into God's creation because God's creation proclaims out God's glory. For many of us, this like maybe brings up some negative feelings of camping, like bugs and dirt and that sort of stuff. And I don't know about you, but I am a city-born-and-bred person, and bugs and dirt and that sort of camping and laying on the ground, it's not even, that, does not move, that does not move me. I am not interested in that. I am... I, I don't like not being able to shower or hot water. I am fully, I confess, a, a rich city folk boy person. I, I am not interested in, in being in the wilderness in that sense. But, but being in near nature and finding awe in nature doesn't mean you have to get all Lewis and Clark. Okay? It doesn't mean you have to like go on the John Muir trail and, and grow your beard all big and not shower and pan for gold and stuff. Like, you don't got to get naked and afraid in order to get into wilderness. You can, you can do it uh, like my wife and I do. We always attempt to find a hotel that's within walking distance or at least driving distance of some nature. So after you go to the nature for a while, then you go back and you have a hot shower and you have a good meal and you have a good sleep, you know, that kind of stuff. But I encourage us, if, if we want to restore wonder, we've got to get ourselves back into nature. Just a little bit. Not, I'm not saying you've got to go all, you know, survivor man or whatever, instead of go out with a knife and live out there, but... But just, just go find yourself in creation because creation speaks of God's glory. Creation is so powerful that it, and it points to God in such a way uh, simply by its existence that, that nature is so powerful that people are held into account about the existence of God because of nature itself. Look what Romans says. Paul writes this. For what can be known about God, it's plain to people. Because God's shown it to, we're talking about all people. He's shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature. They've been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So that they, people, are without excuse. See, not only is nature really uh, help us go, wow, not only... uh, does creation point to the glory and proclaim the glory of God? But nature actually speaks, and the creation of God speaks so much so that we cannot get to the end of life and have like an ignorance excuse. People can't get to the end of life and say, like, oh, I just didn't know. And God says, yes, you did. Creation has the ability to point to a creator. It stirs within every single human being the desire to find the something more a call to the divine, a a signal light to the lost and the seeking. That's what creation does. It's so powerful in its testimony that people don't have the ignorance defense when they get in front of the judgment of God. And it sort of makes me start to wonder. Now, I'm going to wonder together, okay? I'm not going to speak, here's the divine authority of God. This is what it says clearly. I'm going to wonder together with us. Would you wonder with me a little bit? Because I wonder about this a lot, about how powerful is creation. 
So there's a lot of different ideas about it. I'm going to share you one that I've been wondering about for the last few years. Mm, I'm not settled on it, so don't proclaim dogma or something. You know what I'm saying? So there's sometimes Sam opinion and there's Bible opinion. This is, this is Sam opinion thinking about the Bible, and I would like you to think about it with me because oftentimes I, I worry and I wonder about people uh, who had existed, let's say, in, in Korea or in China uh, before the, any missionaries came, before uh, the gospel came. Thousands and thousands of years people hadn't heard the gospel, and so are all of those people in hell? I, I, I worry about hell a lot in people's souls because they really matter to me. Like, souls are so important to me. And so I start to think about this passage. I know that this passage tells us one thing, that people can be damned because of creation. Right? They are not, they, they get no excuse. So there isn't a person on this planet that's actually become, come into an intellectual mind who can think and make decisions that will be able to say, like, I didn't know. They won't be able to say, like, well, I didn't have a missionary. They won't be able to say to God, well, well, I, I just didn't have a Bible or any of that kind of information. So for sure that's true. That's, that's a Bible passage part. People are without excuse. But I start to wonder then. So here's the wonder part. Because I know that people receive Jesus differently, right? So some people, nowadays we say they have to make a personal confession of faith. They have to say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. You know, uh, thank you for dying on the cross for me. But people in the Old Testament, how did they get saved? They couldn't accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because he hadn't been born yet. And so people in the Old Testament, they, they get into heaven and they receive Jesus differently than I do. Now we think, and the Bible is pretty clear about, there's only one gateway to heaven. There's only one access point. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father except through me. It's impossible. So we absolutely think there's only one way to go to heaven, and that's Jesus. But how do people access Jesus? This is my wonder part. I, I think about it. Like Old Testament people accessed Jesus by a belief that God would save them. They didn't have the name of Jesus. They didn't know he was going to die on the cross. They, they couldn't uh, confess their sins and ask him to, to pay for them because of his blood on the cross. They didn't do any of those things. But we're certain Old Testament people are in the Bible, uh, in heaven. They're in the Bible for sure. <laughs> we think they're in heaven as well because they return back with Jesus and show up and they say, hey, kind of stuff. And so if Old Testament people access Jesus, they, they get grace that comes through Jesus in a different way than I do. And I think and most people would say that, that babies receive Jesus. Now, the baby doesn't sit in its crib and go like, there, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Now that baby can go to heaven. But most people think babies go to heaven um, because Jesus, the access point is Jesus. Maybe he just like, in a sort of visual metaphor, he picks up that baby and he carries them through the gateway of Jesus. So Old Testament people seem to receive Jesus differently than I do. Babies receive Jesus differently than I do, like as an active Bible-revealed person. And here's my wonder part. Now, that some people get upset about this. They, you could, we can have a debate about it. But I wonder if creation is enough to damn me, is creation enough for someone to say, there's got to be something more. So they're in Mongolia and thousand bc sitting there like you know there's no bible there's no abraham there's no one to tell them anything and they're looking up and they're like there's got to be something more than me and the ponies and the grass fields here hey something more i want to know you hey my heart's crying out and responding to this creation that i see all around me i wonder and I, I trust God with my wonder. So, so I don't have the answer, in case you were hoping for an answer. I don't have the answer, but I wonder about it a lot. I think about if, if creation is enough to damn them, is creation enough to save them? And I certainly would not say that they could get saved outside of Jesus Christ. Absolutely they cannot be. 
But how do people access Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not a universalist. I don't think all people go to heaven. I think the Bible is pretty clear about it. There's some people who reject God. And, uh, and then he gives them the choices of their heart. So I'm not saying that. But I am wondering this kind of thing. How powerful is creation? That it can certainly take away the excuse of people saying, like, I didn't know you, God. But is it a powerful enough for some ancestors of ours who hadn't even had the possibility to know Jesus to access Jesus differently than I do? And I just wonder. And all that kind of stuff, I leave to God ultimately. I say, God, you sort that out. God likes people more than I do. God loves you more than I love you. God loves you more than you love you. And I trust God with the eternal destinations of people. But it, does, it is because I'm looking at creation, how powerful it is. It is something that I do think about, and I'm, I'm, I wonder about it. And so God, God really does uh, have this powerful creation. Makes me, again, as I think about it, that that's a pretty wow thing. That, that you can look at the trees and the mountains and the sky and you can, actually, you can actually discover God's eternal power, his divine nature. It, it'll be clearly perceived in the creation that we view. And that's pretty wow to me. And I want to hear something even crazier. I was thinking about this this week. So creation's already pretty powerful that it can speak all these things. Creation, as beautiful as it is, it's actually broken. And it's in need of a renovation. So the creation we're looking at is a broken creation. Romans tells us this in Romans 8. It says, uh, For I consider that the sufferings of the present time, they're not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for ultimately Jesus to come back. For the creation was subjected to frustration or futility. Not willingly, but because of Adam, (laughs) because of him who subjected it. And hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption, obtain the freedom that also the glory of the children of God have. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together together in pains of childbirth until now. Not only the creation, but, but us, people, we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly and we wait for that time where we're adopted as sons, the redemption of our bodies, physical bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope is that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it patiently. So with Adam's and Eve's sin, we see not only was human being, not only were human beings broken, but creation got broken. Sin brought death, it brought decay, it brought brokenness. Adam and Eve didn't get the flu. They didn't get cancer. They couldn't have gotten sick. They would have lived forever with God. Their bodies wouldn't have started to look like this as they get older and older and fatter and fatter and wrinklier and wrinklier. They would have been like young and vibrant and healthy like our kids. You know, like, man. And so sin brought death, decay, and brokenness not only to people, but it brought it to creation. So all of creation is waiting for God to fix it, to restore the true magnificence. But think of that. The creation that we view, like that's the broken one. Can you imagine when God actually fixes it? Like I'm looking at like creation's amazing. The universe is like, I can't even deal with the universe. Like I just go there when I look at and think about the universe, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm tap, tap out, I'm done. I can, my mind is like blown out of the water. And this is the broken one. Can you imagine when we see the good one? That'll be like a wow moment. 
So we wait for God to fix all of creation, and we're waiting for God to restore creation to perfection, and that includes us hand-in-hand hand with part of creation. See, we sit here, and, and when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He does a supernatural spiritual work in us so that our bodies, uh, that, that our souls become perfected in God, but we're still in this broken-down shell. We're in this broken-down world. We're still feel distant from God. God isn't right like He is next to us, but sometimes we can't experience it, and we know He's there, but we don't feel it, and, and there's, a, there's a separation because we're still caught in the brokenness. But check this out. We're not going to always be caught in the brokenness. Not us and not the creation. The book of Revelation tells us that that, uh, John is writing. He said, Then I saw a new heaven and I saw a new earth because the ones that you're living in, the first heaven and the first earth, they had passed away. And the sea was no more. But that's not to say that there's not water because we see water later on. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he's going to dwell with them. That's God. They're going to be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he's going to wipe every, way, every tear from their eyes, and death is going to be gone again. And there's not going to be any mourning or crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm going to make all things new. He said, Oh, write that down so you don't forget it. That's a trustworthy and true statement. So God is going to fix creation. Not, on, not only does God fix our supernatural spiritual lives through Jesus, but there's more to come. You see, we've just begun the renovation process. God is ultimately going to allow you to live in a perfect body with a perfect soul in a perfect universe, physical You human beings were created to be human. When we die, our soul is separated, but that is not how you're supposed to be. Your soul, even every perfected soul, will ultimately be back with a body, and you will live eternally, not as a disembodied soul. You will live eternally as a human being with flesh and blood like Adam and Eve and on a planet where you have to (gasps) breathe oxygen. If you don't, you probably will, I don't know, you can't die. So what will you do if you don't breathe oxygen? I don't know, but something... You'll be a human being on a planet, and God is going to restore that. God not only restores our souls, He's going to restore our whole existence, restore the planet, eradicate disease, pain, and suffering, give us perfect human physical bodies, restore His good design for the planet for all of us who have come into a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that we will get to dwell with God once again, walking near to God without any barrier, without any separation, how God physically walked with Adam and Eve, like literally was there with them. God says that's how it's meant to be. It's supposed to be where, like, and you don't even have to have faith in it in sort of like the nebulous face. You, you're actually there with God. Oh, I actually think he's literally right here. And we dwell with God, and that's how it's supposed to be as God fixes all these things. And so these are all things that creation speak of. Isn't that crazy? Creation is part of God's masterpiece, declaring His glory, pointing to Him, and ultimately creation is going to be restored to its awesomeness. <laughs> Whew. I'm about to head over to the beach this week. You know, I'm going to go sit by. I swear, I'm going to the ocean this week. Bring an extra blanket because it's going to be cold. I'm just going to stare and sit in creation. Now I want you to invite to try to find yourself in nature. Let's pray together.
And we're going to praise our amazing God that has given us this awe-inspiring creation. God, we forget to be amazed, which is so lame. God, I want us to say wow when our tongues stick out just like our kids because that's pretty wow that that works. And it's pretty wow that humans can create plumbing to bring water into our homes and our church on demand. That's a wow thing. And God, your creation is a wow point. Help us to just let go some of the mundane and be open to the awesome. Open up our hearts to the awe and the wonder of you. Some of us, we don't even know how to do it, God. Like, we're sitting there like, I like that sounds cool, but I don't even know. And so would you come and help us? Help us get in our car today, and when we look into the sky, that we have a moment of awe. Maybe look at a plant in our house, or stare at the, the moon this evening. See the sun peeking out of the clouds. Notice the mountains have moments of awe with you. Would you take a minute right now and just pray between you and God. Asking Him, would you restore my wonder of you?